Hello and welcome to On in Five. Thank you for joining us. My name is Anton Ryder. I'm joined by my good friends Ethan Bonin and Austin Thomas. How are you guys doing? You want to go, Ethan? I I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, Tony good. Hobb. Good. Good. How awesome are you, to hear. How's... Glad to hear it. Austin, you good, man? That's a bad day, man. Oh, man. Austin got half a couch today, and that is fun. And that is ordered a couch, got the couch refunded. Somehow, half of it still showed up. Only had half the pieces for the one half, had pieces for the other half. Save big money on the nards. That is fun. I like that. We ended up saving so much money because we got it all back. How about that? <laughs> so, Look at that. You paid nothing for the part of the couch that is virtually uh, unfunctionable. Okay. So tonight, uh, obviously, is our news episode, or today when you are listening to this, is our news episode. But like the last news episode we did, we're going to mix it up a little bit. We are going to um, talk about the story of the member who had just left Van Halen, David Lee Roth. Uh, you know him. You love him. You might yeah. not love him. Like this, this deserves its own episode, but much like the guitars of Eddie Van Halen, it was enough to do a whole episode out of it. So we're just going to take an hour. We're going to break down what he did after he left the band and eventually what brought him back to the band. Mm-hmm. I like how you yep, say yeah. an hour because we didn't even plan the Frankenstrat to be an hour, but somehow it just was. <laughs> mm. Oh, we're tuned in. We're tuned on. We're My internal clock in. is, is incredibly precise. Actually, I'm not, I could really shoot myself in the foot there saying that. Um, yeah, so this this is going to be a scripted episode like the like the normal episodes we do, but we are one taking it just because we're recording this on Tuesday night and it's coming out Wednesday morning. So it's just going to, we're going to edit it together. Um, also, if you want to watch us in video form, if you want to watch us, not listen to us, go to our Patreon. This episode will be available in video format on Patreon as we are going to do with every news episode from here on out so thank you for tuning in patreon viewers and uh i hope you like this symbol that i'm doing right now no one will see it except for the patreon people i'm pretty mad (laughs) it's a very weird symbol we thought about taking kind of the week off for the holidays and then tony was like i really think we should do a short david lee roth thing and we're like yeah when should we do it and tony was like i'm gonna do it tuesday night you guys can join if you want (laughs) i was ready to do it alone i was ready to solo this i didn't want to I didn't want to take away from your guys's your guys's uh, uh, Christmas week, and so I was just planning on doing it. But I'm so happy that you're here. uh, No, I think obviously episodes are way more the level it could be on by yourself, and you start (laughs) the process. You guys are are here simply because your back is against the wall. (laughs) We're not gonna let it happen. We're gonna die kicking and screaming. Yeah. (laughs) Oh well, like I said, I'm happy you guys are here. Uh, We will be painting with broader brush strokes than we normally do. Basically, just touching on the main themes as like people care about him but most people care about him mostly because of the thing that he just left behind Mm -hmm. as someone who was a staunch only roth era van halen kind of guy before uh after he leaves i didn't know a single thing about him until and i didn't care until i had to (laughs) <laughs> Turns out it's a pretty hard <laughs> flop once he leaves. Uh, so he yeah, okay will. for a minute, but he starts off strong. Gets a joke. Like, he really bolsters his confidence, but then he tanks 
hard. It is <laughs> he ends a disaster. Up right where you think he was going. <laughs> okay, so our story will start in April 1985 when he announced that he had left the group to pursue a solo career. If you remember, he had just put out his solo album Crazy from the Heat in January, and it was doing well on its own, even hitting platinum by June of that year. Yeah, so well, he'll go on to use the title for his book and obviously the movie he attempts to make. He really leans into it. <laughs> yeah, as Austin title. said, he wanted to make a movie just like how the Beatles did with their Hard Day's Night or the Osmonds had done. He really wanted to make a movie. Yeah, see? He wanted to uh, expand his... He wanted to expand his repertoire beyond just the singer of a band to a full-fledged entertainer. Just like old Waylon, not selling out, just broadening his audience. <laughs> I, I feel like I should point out also, yeah, Ethan's internet like is still trash, so the latency <laughs> issues are fun. They're fun to deal with. Yeah, if any of yes. you are in the camp that his wife was in, thinking that we're just giving these long pauses after he talks to be assholes, we don't. We just he hasn't finished on our end. It's all yeah. It's all because it's we're hearing it all in real time. As is he. So oh, that's how it goes. Yes, he wanted to do. He wanted to do it all. He wanted to be a a multimedia man. He first hoped the band would play along with his shenanigans van halen would but when they refused he walked out van halen was surprised by crazy from the heat not knowing it was even coming but they knew all about his other plans and they didn't agree with him so when david formally left he took his entourage including his security guard uh, creative designers and then any stylists and friends that he was paying for and it was at this point that the band who is now in shambles decided to amputate any extensions they could no longer control including their in-house merchandising that we talked about in episode two that uh, made basically like lost them millions of dollars, but they had to focus on keeping what they had left together when this happened. Yeah, this breakup hit them a lot harder than just losing their singer because David was friends with and personally employing a lot of the people that, like Tony said, did all their creative organizing and designing and like people that like shot their music videos and did like the planning for them. So they were, they were out with nothing pretty much. Yeah. And uh, their producer, Ted Templeman, Ted Templeman, mm -hmm. you'll find out goes, goes with David in episode three, just as another caveat uh, or, or um, another little asterisk to this story. This story takes place between when it, it basically takes place in the middle of episode three. So you're going to hear this and then you're going to hear episode three and it's all going to kind of bridge together. So you're going to have to build that that complete story um, when you when when that when episode three comes out next week. God, we're giving you spinoffs already. Oh, my God. It's fun. <laughs> so with David on his own. He was ready to be his own man. His first plan of action was to get his movie going. It was going to be a goofy, wacky friend adventure movie, which would star David. And then it would, as Austin said, be called Crazy from the Heat. I oh, It's described as a wacky friend adventure comedy. And I just want us all to keep in mind that Dumb and Dumber was released four short months before this in December of 84. <laughs> oh, you know, you know, he was like, well, now. What if we just put out a story about like two friends who have to travel across the country and uh, what they have to do is they have to bring back uh, a statue which has a diamond in it after it was stolen. And like everyone's like, sure, David, sounds good, man. 
<laughs> they get into some, believe me, they get into some wacky shit along the way, like shenanigans and stuff, oh, you know? Freaking crazy stuff. Uh, believe you me. <laughs> yeah, he, he put out casting calls for actors, including a request for women that said, quote, if you are a woman and you think you have an unusual character face and a beautiful body, or if you have an unusually beautiful face and a character body, or any combination thereof, you're perfect. Is this like a really wide-ranging statement, or is that just me? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's me a little bit, but I don't know. That That is every woman in the universe, so. Yeah, that's pretty, <laughs> seems pretty broad. Nice job, David Lee Roth. You really got it, man. (laughs) Yeah, he was clearly hoping that this movie production was just going to, like, take up his time like it was in a band. Just a wild party with plenty of women and antics. Um, And surprisingly, his script was actually written and finished by January 1986. And it actually got the green light from the CBS film company with a budget of $10 million, uh, a bigger budget than movies like Napoleon Dynamite, 28 Days Later, the first Saw movie, Donnie Darko, Shaun of the Dead, Moon, and then American Psycho. So pretty crazy big budget for (laughs) just a guy who was a singer in a band. Good Lord. (laughs) (laughs) But unfortunately, the cameras never rolled on the project because sometimes after it was approved, there was a change of management at CBS and they closed the studio entirely, thus killing the movie. Obviously, the new CEO did not like the party. (laughs) Yeah, no amount of coke that David could offer out allowed him to stay, allowed his movie to get made. Um, He tried to sue the company for $25 million after his $10 million movie didn't go anywhere, but that did not go anywhere. And the only movie he was in was when he lent his voice to the John Cusack movie, Better Off Dead, playing himself during a claymation dream and in a twist of fate, he actually sings Everybody Wants Some from uh, uh, Fair Warning or Van Halen 2. One of the albums. I can't remember. Might be Women and Children first. Um, <laughs> but he sings Everybody Wants Some. And then he holds a Frankenstrat color scheme guitar. Wait, I did find a short five-minute film from 2013 called Tokyo Story where David plays a hitman with a fucking sick dragon tattoo on his back. It was entirely in Japanese and David only had one line. I was really hoping the movie was going to be called The Man with the Dragon Tattoo. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, that could be good. If you are if you're wondering, yes, when Ethan says entirely in Japanese, that does mean David's line is also in Japanese and it is delivered exactly to the caliber you are thinking it would be <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like for how charismatic david lee roth is it just anything he has to do on script just is so flat because i think i don't know if it's the same movie i think he was in another movie as well where he has to play a poker player and like yeah he has like one oh line and it is just delivered so poorly like it is just the dullest thing but he plays himself like he plays david lee roth but he's like his line is like there. His, his line is like, I used to be able to write off my condoms, but it sounds like he was just like, I used to be able to write off my condoms. It's like, great, David. Thanks. Get All right. Get out <laughs> of here, man. What are you trying to make me feel here? What, is, 
What are you trying to get across to <laughs> yeah, me? What, what <laughs> kind of emotion are you conveying? <laughs> what, Why what are you I, conveying? I don't know how I'm supposed to feel based on Why what are you, you said? conveying teenager at a, at a church service? I don't get this. All right. Uh, anyway. He's good at stuff. <laughs> so his career beyond music and beyond Van Halen was something of a dud, uh, but David never deterred, and he kept moving. Seeing that the movie business may not be for him, he looked at his solo career more seriously. He decided he was going to put a band together that would both rival Van Halen, but also give him the space he needed to be a solo artist that he wanted to be. Spread his wings. Of course. He ended up getting <laughs> guitarist Steve Vai, a guitarist for Frank Zappa, who showed promise of being a prodigy all his own. He's the bad guy at the end of Crossroads, the movie with the kid from Karate Kid, and he was in Whitesnake for a little bit. Mm-hmm. 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 And he's a true virtuoso in an absolute shred factory. Yes, and oh, he yeah. ended up with David Lee Roth. Yeah, somehow. I mean, he comes up from here. <laughs> oh, yeah, up, no, it's up from here. This is a fine starting spot or, or you know, stepping stone. Um, so then the bassist was Billy Sheehan, who was actually the first to try tapping on a bass commercially and was called the Eddie Van Halen a bass. And then drummer Greg Bissonette, a young jazz drummer who was like almost a studio musician, but was not. Billy is also in Mr. Big, which we talked about a little Mm -hmm. bit in part three, which you guys haven't heard yet, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) you will. Their singer, Eric, basically, he almost gets an audition for Van Halen, but you're going to have to listen to that one. Get the full story. Yes, you are. Yeah, this is very unfortunate that we're releasing this. (laughs) We're tying it into the episode that hasn't been released. Yeah, but that's fine. You guys get it. You guys are smart listeners. So, Greg Bissonette (laughs) had helped out with tons of bands over the year, including Toto, ELO, uh, weirdly enough, Ringo Starr. And then, just as a fun fact, he was actually the drummer that played all the drums for the short stingers that played between scenes on Friends for its entire series. So, did he play this theme song? No, my friend, that would be the Rembrandts. Yes, that song was uh, licensed to the band. The The Stingers okay. were all in-house written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of cool. Got it. And so, yeah, you know, the little Stingers. Yeah, that old like... Yeah. Give me more of that. Can we start putting those in between each paragraph of the show? Oh, I'm in. I'm into that. Every time the theme changes, like topic changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For when it gets to the sad part, it just is like. <laughs> so sad. Singers to this episode. Oh yeah. Who cares? We're onto something new. Always expanding here. Yeah, so we're trying new things out every day. So it was with this killer team that they went into the studio in early 1986 to record David's first full album. Crazy from the Heat was actually just an EP. It wasn't a full album, but it still did really well. Hmm? So it was recorded over a short time, and then the album Eat Em and Smile was released on July 7th, 1986. I'm talking about a Yankee Rose. I never listened to any of this before, and it's... <laughs> it's recorded. It's David Lee Roth on an it's album. David Lee Roth. <laughs> it is kind of fun. I gotta it say, did, it's it, kind of fun. 
It did well. I mean, you know, this this was Ted Templeman doing his work. Um, I think it was Ted Templeman anyway. Uh, so it did well, reaching number four on the charts, and then it certified platinum. It was dubbed by critics or by reviewers as trashy fun, with it being more rack-esque, if just a little bit disorganized at points. Uh, that song is four minutes of just random parts thrown together with a chorus in it, and then there's like a full-on... Swing number later in the album. It's a ride. It's a trip. <laughs> yeah, he just he <laughs> did what he wanted to do. <laughs> That's what happens when you get solo rights and you just tell the musicians to do what you want them to do. <laughs> so weirdly enough, he decided to put out a Spanish version of this album um, with him singing the vocals in Spanish with help of a translator who helped him get the words translated properly and then helped him pronounce everything. And so Yeesh. the album Sonrisa Salavaje was born. Uh, that's a pretty bold mode. Uh, have you guys heard the band Midland? No. Uh, they did the song Drinking Problem. But they did. They released that song oh, completely yeah. in Spanish. The yeah. country band, they did yeah, that where they all look yep. super greasy. I like that band. Huh? Yeah, me too. Still no yeah. for me. Still it didn't go fine. well for them either. <laughs> yes, yeah, it did not go well. To uh, didn't didn't go well to release the album in Spanish. Who you know? No kidding. <laughs> Who freaking knew? Yeah, the, no kidding. <laughs> the Spanish speaking people saw it as borderline offensive for him no. to do this. No. Uh, and while it was well intentioned, it was also because Billy Sheehan told David that Spanish speaking kids were an untapped market and they could really make some money here. You trying to tell me that trying to extort money from poor kids in Spanish speaking countries isn't a good look? Because if so, I need to give that Spanish to English translator an email back. Hitting them out of the park. <laughs> <laughs> I did not say they were poor. Uh, that's really good that's, one, man. That's judgment. Yeah, that's a little prejudicial of a statement, but that's fine. I, I, I think really that's just a one. fact. That's why they all come to America. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but he invite he was invited to sing at the Miss Mexico pageant. So that's a win in his book, Surrounded by Beautiful Women. I mean, how could you go wrong? So David and the guys went out on tour to play over 100 shows with Cinderella and Tesla. When the tour was over in early 1987, he got back into the studio with his band. He kept the same lineup, but added Brett Tuggle, who played with them on tour as well. Uh, he was a small-time keyboardist. He wasn't really doing much, but he would actually go on to play with Fleetwood Mac on stage and I believe and I couldn't find anything that uh, confirmed this but I believe that he played with the band when Christine McVie left the group he also got to play with Steppenwolf and Rick Springfield too so the guy has a nice little career yeah, not, nice too little too career. not too, too bad any, at all anyway too bad they worked on the album through 1987, spending more time on it and David taking time to do what he wanted outside the studio. He was beginning to enjoy, enjoy the outdoors more, and one thing that caught his attention was rock climbing. He liked it so much that when the album Skyscraper was released on January 26th, 1988, it had a picture of him climbing a big rock wall on the cover. And he actually made Warner set up a big rock wall on top of Tower Records so that he really? could climb it while people looked on. So he was on top of a tall building and then he was climbing a, a rock wall while people cheered for him. Yeah. Not good. So that explains why he's still so fit for being a 66-year-old man. I think, <laughs> yeah, I think he's doing the roller skate aerobics too. I would imagine. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Yeah, he's got that old man fitness going on. Oh, yeah. Where it's like really soft, but like also like hard. Like there's, it's weird. It's like the skin is loose, but you know the muscles dense. Like his muscles are still there, but the rest of his body is just starting to think about shutting down. Starting to hang off of the muscle a little bit. It's not taut with it. Oh, Yeah. yeah. Good for him. He's still doing okay. He's still doing fine. <laughs> so, yes, uh, this this album, Skyscraper, was met with mixed reviews critically, but did well commercially. It reached number six on the charts and has gone platinum since its release. It was more of an eclectic album than people had heard from David before, and people weren't happy with its super keyboard-heavy sound, which is kind of funny because this pretty much parallels uh, Van Halen's sound at the same time. Very keyboard heavy. Mm -hmm. His team got a call from a production company asking to use the song Just Like Paradise for a show that was being made, but they decided to turn it down outright. Pretty selective, like that offer from uh, Sparkomatic. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not the right thing, he doesn't want to do it. I uh, also, so this song is his number one hit um, on Anywhere Mm -hmm. You Go to Stream, and I had never heard it. And I just got to tell you guys, I. Well, I said, like I said, I never cared about him after Van Halen, but I wanted to get a listen. And the way he sings the first line of that song, I wasn't expecting the delivery and it it KO'd me. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing, man. He's doing some weird like it's like a SNL skit of someone singing a song. (laughs) <laughs> Rocket steady in her daddy's car She got the radio With the big guitars It's like it's really weird <laughs> You guys are gonna have to take a listen cause Yeah it, Austin sent it to us But we were dealing with yeah, children and care. such and, Whoa care. hey buddy come on now kids, I'm just okay. happy you guys you are kids, all right. I'm just happy you guys are here Oh man <laughs> Thank you. Oh, man. <laughs> so the up. show that they decided to turn down the offer from was 90210. And his song Oof. would have been used as the intro. Yeah, it's really it really could have paid off dividends for him, but A he lot. shut it down. And then instead they uh, went elsewhere and he got he got nothing out of it. So once the album was out, they went on tour through the year to tour the album. He continued the rock climbing theme with David rappelling down from the lighting equipment in his climbing gear to start the show. <laughs> It was uh, just as extravagant and as excessive as you uh, thought it would be. Mm. It's not near as cool as skydiving, though. Oh, it's infinitely less cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's him coming down in repelling gear and then be like, what's up? What's up, Boise? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I chalk um, up. I got to chalk up. Everybody, wait a minute. Yeah. He's got the goddamn bag behind his back. Um, so they bought Poison on to have them open up. And it was actually on this tour that David played the Monsters of Rock show in the UK. Um, and he played after Guns N' Roses. And if you listen to our series on Guns N' Roses or if you know about classic rock, this was the day that the Guns N' Roses set inadvertently killed two kids, um, which uh, he then had to go on and play later in the day and they were they were still having issues at that point i don't know if people knew that uh there were um dead people uh at that on that i don't day. think yet huh? i think it was yeah. later and uh we do talk about that in uh, part three too Absolutely. yeah yeah well in case both of my co-hosts have forgotten you all forgot we also mentioned it in part two <laughs> Two parts like, of this. So. We like talking about that. Oh, like I forgot. <laughs> we like to say we're not going to bring it up anymore, and then it always gets brought up. Well, 
It's a big event. <laughs> yeah. It's a big event in rock history. You can't deny that. <laughs> so when it was all over, Billy Sheehan and Steve Vai decided to leave the group to work on other projects. And so they were pla- replaced with drummer Greg Bissonette's brother, Matt Bissonette, on bass, and then Jason Becker on guitar. Two brothers. <laughs> Just two brothers. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> you did it. <laughs> Leave it right there. Uh, uh, Matt's big break. <laughs> so Thanks, after, yep. <laughs> yeah, finally, uh, he's been working. Greg had been trying to break down Billy Sheehan for months. Uh, Just let my brother's a good kid. Come on. <laughs> so after a couple years of uh, taking it, uh, take, oh, I got to say this line again. I apologize. Taking it away. So after a couple years of uh taking it away the new band went back in the studio in canada they were actually up in canada where they were spending some time and it really began to feel like david was fitting in recording around his other activities and he was kind of falling uh, pretty low on his list and he was only recording when it was really convenient for him it's clearly too busy rollerblading <laughs> mm. <laughs> amongst other things yes uh he was he One was uh a lot of it was it's weird he did a lot of reading during this time oh yeah this is his more scholarly time i remember hearing this in the david lee roth saga yeah he actually it's kind of crazy he actually went and got his master's in in uh in theology just what (laughs) oh (laughs) wow did you guys know that about him? I'm making that up. Uh, okay. <laughs> you could have sold it. You could have sold it. <laughs> um, so, yes, this this next album that they did was recorded during the entire year of 1990. And just a week into the recording, uh, Jason Becker, who is by all accounts a budding star, was diagnosed with ALS, which basically mm. put an end to his career. He actually finished the album using a uh, modified guitar that had really, really light strings that picked up uh, sounds really or sounds really easy. Um, because with ALS, his, his muscles were getting really weak. And is, so he, they, sorry, they allowed him to finish. Here. Oh, no, you're good. Is ALS, that's Lou Gehrig's, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, that's Lou Gehrig's. Yeah. yeah, basically just shut your body down and your mind is trapped in. It's really Not worth interrupting you. I just had to know. Oh, it's a good, good, good thing to clarify with. Yes, I can't remember what the what the abbreviation or what what ALS stands for, but it's mm-hmm. a terrible disease and it's yes, really pretty unfortunate. I have an uncle with um, it. Yes, so... The doctors only gave him three to five years to live, but he's actually still alive now, 30 years later. He is confined to a wheelchair, and he lost his ability to speak in 1996 at only the age of 26. Pretty tough break. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Really not good at all. Uh, But all the same, their album, A Little Ain't Enough, was released on January 15th, 1999. 1991, sorry. It was met with some critical indifference, the same critical indifference as his last two albums, but it did commercially worse uh, with it only certifying gold and topping out at number 18 on the charts. They released a music- two platinum solo records at all, just- (laughs) Oh, it's it's incredible. Uh, Very lucky. (laughs) Uh, I think it was just people- just wanted to see what the new what the new flavor was. Yeah, uh huh. They were what's just like, about? "Well, okay, what's this guy?" Yeah, we'll give uh. you two chances, and then they were like, <laughs> and then, not we have, good. then the curtain has been pulled back." And <laughs> yeah, fool us once, shame on you. Fool us twice, shame on you again. But fool us three times. <laughs> it won't. You won't get fooled again. It won't get fooled again. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. President. Um, <laughs> Greater chief. Oh, uh, yeah, so they actually released a music video for the title track that showed barely dressed women, uh, but much more concerningly, it had 
little people that were dressed in blackface. It was a pretty bad misstep, pretty mm-hmm. uh, pretty poor taste, and it was actually banned from MTV almost immediately after they released it. Not quite Really trying to one-up the uh, Oh Pretty Woman music video, huh? <laughs> he really leaned into it. He I don't know what down. his I don't know what his fascination with little people is, but it's concerning. Mm. He has little people in that video, little people in in the in the uh, Oh Pretty Woman video. He has little people like on tour with him all the time. Like he hired a little person to be a security guard for him as a joke. <laughs> and do you know how offensive that is? You know, <laughs> I think and this is not in any way excusing the people of that time. It was Uh-oh. the time. It was just a funny thing, which is also in itself very fucked up. Like people that's, just uh, that's actually a great point. Yeah, the, the nineties were a different time. <laughs> Apparently, yeah, they were little people were just the butt of jokes for the yeah. longest time. Like just not a blatant good. joke. It's pretty fucked. <laughs> not not uh good at all. But once it was finished, the band planned to go out on tour with the with them replacing Jason Becker for another guitarist. And from here on out, I actually won't be listing the replacements because in all, the band saw a total of 31 member changes. It was basically there were changes every album and every tour that someone was replaced. So it's just going to it would be way too long if we tried to name every single replacement. Clearly, the, the touring members were the issue. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Right, of course. Obviously, <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, so they headed out on what was supposed to be an average tour for the band over a couple months, complete with large sets and David's typical antics. But David found that he was playing to half-empty venues, and the tour was actually eventually canceled partway through because of poor ticket sales. And this was a huge blow to David's ego. Remember, David hated it when, when Van Halen was playing for like – like three-fourths full venues. He hated mm-hmm. seeing uh, uh, orange seats, I think is what it was called. When We're playing the fucking orange the seats out there. Yep. He hated it. Yeah, yeah, now he was like not being able to fill smaller venues and big, big, uh, big deal for him. So after this, David thought about trying to make amends with the guys in Van Halen, but they weren't having it and it shut it down on the spot. Oh, boo, it looks like someone's solo career didn't pan out. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew? Who knew that this was going to happen? So, after this, he moved to New York. buddy? How many, how many, did all of Stevie Nicks' solo albums go platinum? That's a great question that I don't know the answer to. That's a good question. I don't know if they all did or because I think her, I mean, obviously her solo career was much more. Uh, it was uh, a little different. It was a little <laughs> better than this. Yeah. I'm just trying You're to trying think to of comparisons. They were, they were kind of like, they were hand I'm in hand. For They're comparisons. About- <laughs> yeah. Like she actually created a cult. <laughs> I mean, Stevie Nicks could, yeah, like Stevie Nicks could still sell out a house if she went on solo tour. She could still sell a house, no problem. I'm we'll find out. David, David Lee Roth can't, can barely uh, sell out. Like a, a house, like a high school auditorium. <laughs> house. Yeah, like, so, uh, so yeah. After this, David moved to New York, where he spent his time rock climbing and then doing whatever he wanted, which was like TV appearances, radio appearances, whatever. He just liked to he liked to go and talk to people. Like he had the gift of gab, as everyone knows. He spent eighteen months preparing for and achieving a twenty-two thousand foot climb up the Himalaya mountains, which gave him a new perspective on life, or at least that's what he said. He decided to put music in the back seat for a while 
while and then do what he wanted. Mainly, uh, he wanted to do what he was currently doing. So he just kept doing that for a couple of years until once again, he began work on his next album. Like his last album, it was recorded over the course of a full year, this year being 1993, making a much different album than he had before. This album was like a mix of rock, dance and country, even doing a song with country singer Travis Tritt. Expanding the audience. That's <laughs> two times now for this episode and three times now for Van Halen as a whole. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't, let's keep a tally. Just a, lot, Waylon. <laughs> a lot of parallels, yeah. He really has leaned in on Waylon over the over the course of our that series. That line and, specifically, <laughs> I think, has been said in a few other episodes. <laughs> yeah, it's That's like anytime any, anytime any member does anything different, Ethan's like, let me uh, not selling out. Pull out Spare my audience. <laughs> yeah, oh, I'm plug that one in there. Quote. Quick key it. <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> it's a it's a favorite. It's a good. I mean, it's a good line. Very profound. Yeah, yeah, very profound. <laughs> so, the album when your filth when your filthy little mouth. The album is called Your Filthy Little Mouth. Thank when you. it was released on March eighth, nineteen ninety four, it did little in the world of music. It was a change from what he had done before, but he actually moved in the wrong direction for what anyone was looking for. The nineties were filled with pop and filled with uh with a lot of grunge and alternative rock and this was none of that clearly it was it was dance country so mm-hmm. i mean yeah it was a c- critical and commercial failure it charted at number 78 and it only sold around 60,000 copies you know you're having a rough time when you can't even chart on country charts listen oh. here big guy this was this was oh. the, the golden age of country for me anyway you got your you got your chesneys you got your brad paisley's you got your <laughs> your late alabamas you got your rio diamond rios i mean come on take it easy you're joe nichols are you kidding me <laughs> yeah Get man you're big in riches and you're big in riches were early 2000s take yeah, it easy okay. so <laughs> easy to trash on country now <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, it's just progressively gotten worse. Mm -hmm. But that's not this episode. We're going to get back to David Lee Roth. So throughout the year, uh, he didn't even tour the the album. It did so poorly that he just decided not to tour it. And if he thought that his music should be put on the back burner before, this album basically solidified it for him. His house was hit by an earthquake in early 1994, which he was paid $350,000 for in insurance. And then he proceeded to sue the insurance company for $5 million more because he thought he was underpaid uh, for some reason (laughs) but then later that year he ran into eddie and valerie in new york because they were there for valerie who was doing something there for work um and then eddie stopped to talk to david like eddie like stopped him on the street or even like walked past him and then valerie said that was david and then ran to him to talk to him and when eddie said hi and he like looked at him and just kept walking yeah (laughs) Yeah. And, and then, and then yeah, and then back, David. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then Eddie went and talked to him. And when when Eddie talked to him, like David couldn't respond. Like he just froze up basically. Mm-hmm. And this is a great example of like the world that was beginning to crumble around David because he didn't have his movie, he didn't have his killer albums, and now he was like losing his own personality. You have to remember he had like always been on the ball. Any kind of any kind of question that was asked, he always had some kind of retort. Like he had some profound outlandish goof ass saying that i mean he was like dj Khaled before dj Khaled was doing what he does <laughs> wow it was always like yeah you know i got these zany little one-liners that's gonna make everyone laugh and i can always i can always run a room whatever but like 
when he wasn't on, his life was in kind of the pits and he couldn't even talk to his old bandmate that he had worked with for, for like 10 years, 10 plus years. Uh-huh. So like, it, it's just like he, his life was completely scripted. And now that he had to run off improv, he just wasn't ready for it. God, I can relate to not being able to improv because like trying to do things off the spot. I am not good at like I am like Michael Scott. I will just pull a gun. <laughs> wow we're gonna isolate that yeah. oh, no. anytime oh. i'm even a little like uncomfortable or out of my element yeah. pull a gun <laughs> pull a gun it's a great oh, great no. reference there buddy but yeah he, he was he was always like ready for the show and if if something wasn't didn't go the way he thought it was gonna did not. Well, and you have to think about like he was he was the guy for for six years mm-hmm. around the world from 1980 from 1978 to 1984. He could get any girl he wanted. He could talk like guys wanted to be mm-hmm. him. Girls wanted to be with him. That old adage like everyone wanted to be around David Lee Roth. So anything he said was every joke he told killed. Everything he said was written down. Like everything was so important. But now like nobody gave a shit about him because his albums weren't doing well. He couldn't get his movie. Like everything he was trying was failing. So nobody talked to him. He was just a guy again. And now when somebody came to talk to him, freaking screwed him up. Yeah. It's that big divided timelines because to us, all the shit he's done in the in the interim has made him easy to clown on, but at that time, he was an icon at that time. He was like an idol yeah. at that time. Yeah, it's nuts. So, for the rest of 1995 and into 1996, he found a temporary home for himself when he decided to try out a residency in Vegas. He was going to do a big band dance show with David up front and extravagant costumes and big backup dancers, and then he's going to have a 14-piece orchestra as his backup band. Cirque du Soleil avec David. He could... Totally fit in with Cirque du Soleil, though. <laughs> I mean, he was like, he was going for like a like an Elton John, Frank Sinatra <laughs> show, but it was short lived because he was a he was a hard rock vocalist. Like he was just in a hard rock band, and he was trying to mimic what Frank Sinatra had been doing for years. The only problem was that Frank Sinatra was still alive and was still doing residency in Vegas at the time. So like, it didn't even. It didn't even freaking matter. I don't. It was a it was a bold choice, but it didn't. It did obviously didn't last for him. Um, he got he played into the middle of 1996, and then the show folded because he couldn't even fill out a 1500 seat venue, which is not very many seats in the grand couldn't scheme of even things. Fill that out, what a loser! <laughs> Look at all those orange ass seats, man. <laughs> So when he left Vegas, he got a call from Warner Brothers saying that they were planning to put together a best of album and uh, for Van Halen. And they wanted him to do a couple of new songs to keep it fresh and to give the, the consumer something to buy. And so um, from this point forward, we're actually going to be dipping and diving into part three and then back to our. So we're going to be like the parts that we talk about from here on out. We will also talk about in part three. So you can build that narrative uh, as, as you choose to. Or as you, and as don't you let it to. stop you from listening because there's so much information. It's a huge episode. Yes, this this one is just about David Lee Roth. Obviously, the main episode talks about Van Halen with Sammy Hagar and Gary Sharon and and all the all the goofiness that happens there. So this is not stepping on the toes of of part three. This is adding to part yeah. three. So think of part three on. as the ocean. Think of David as a dolphin. He will be coming in and out and up and down 
You'll be popping I in, hate, popping out. I hate that analogy. <laughs> All right, man. But I'll take it. I wanted but to I'll try. It, I want to try my hand at it, and clearly Tony's <laughs> the analogy guy. So we just had to know. We just had to know. We had to find out. I will. I'll take it. Whatever. <laughs> no, hey, I will never do one again. Don't worry. Oh, please don't. Okay, so from this point forward, <laughs> we're going to start moving faster just because, like like I said, it's kind of touching on um, part three. So David and Van Halen got together to record two songs for the compilation album, which Sammy got wind of and because of a misunderstanding, quit the band. They recorded at 5150 and used the two songs they had worked on from the past. Um, they Van Halen made it very clear that they and David were only working together on these songs and they were not a band again, which David was still, I mean, hoping for a little bit more. Uh, well, there were talks. We get we get varying stories on how aware he was of this, like from that same time, but varying stories when he tells it, it's different. So. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like he's trying to make himself in the best light possible. Or all just the be time. the victim of everyone else's circumstance. Right. Yeah. 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 He. he hmm. He's good at that. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, like Austin said, who knows? Who knows what happened? Um, there were talks of a reunion tour in 1996, but they fell through after an embarrassment on stage at the MTV Music Awards in which Van Halen appeared all together for the first time simply to an announce award that was coming out. And then David acted like it was all his show. And then after an argument backstage, any chances of reunion were gone. After this, David went to Miami and worked on a show that he was going to do with another big band. And then like with the addition of his own grandma for some reason. <laughs> hey, man. When you get into this game, you got to come in with fresh ideas. Like, who else is bringing their grandmother on stage? Oh, do you know how many effing TikTokers have gotten famous because they make their elderly grandparents do the dances? I yeah. get it. I know. I know when Look you're up. desperate for fame. I understand it. <laughs> Look up grandmother. We can all see it. Look up what? Grindmother. No. I'm I sure you've heard. I won't be doing I'm that. Not going to do <laughs> it's that. It's grindcore with a grandma. It's so bad. Oh, oh yeah, that guy and his grandma. Yeah, I, I've seen that. Do it again, Grandma. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> Roll tape. Oh, my, what is it? <laughs> my fingers hurt. Well, oh, my yeah. back is gonna hurt. <laughs> you pulling oh, landscaping you? duty. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I got so uh, yeah. So after this, he went out of the spotlight again until 1997. Clearly, nothing happened with the grandma show. Um, when he hung out with Howard Stern for his movie premiere, and uh, then he released his own best of album called The Best on October 27th. It didn't do much only charting at 199 which it's it's the billboard top 200 so good for you uh, and then i don't i don't even think it certified anything anywhere <laughs> really got it um so then he also took the year to write his autobiography which of course was called crazy what? from the heat wow which did mm. He's a, he's a brilliant man. Uh, it's all about branding, you know. Uh, yeah. which it actually th this actually has done fairly well since it was released. Did one of us read that cuz i really do not remember no uh, regretfully okay. so honestly i kind of wish i would have i mean we might read it on our own time we try to stay away from autobiographies yeah. as much as we can because yeah. the the picture that gets painted is is usually pretty biased so we yeah. try to stay away from them unless they're the only thing we have <laughs> the paint's always a shade lighter than what it should be 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so then in early 1998, he went back into the studio to record his next album. He completely self-funded this album and he brought back his old band and then put out a the album on his own label, what she was calling, what was that? Records. <laughs> I tried to find a meaning for this word. Only thing I could come across was uh, from a brewing company that used it to describe the citrusy flavor of a cherry, but I'm guessing the word was borrowed from David because it seemed like a relatively new brewing company. It's just, what was that? <laughs> it was, what was that? Yeah, it was, what was that? Ah. <laughs> okay, oh, man. <laughs> it took me a couple, yeah, there's nothing fun about this. And there's two exclamation points behind what behind the word. So it's, what was that? Records. <laughs> Yeah. It's very fun. Very you guys clever. Read that. I'm surprised you didn't call it freaking different like. Way. <laughs> oh, it's very. It looks like like a, like wah a wah complex that. word, but wah wah yeah, that. But it's it's not. Wah I was thinking that. like because he's Jewish. I was thinking it was some sort of Middle Eastern word, and I was really digging to find anything. I'm really embarrassed. Wow. All right, well, that's revealing. <laughs> let this yeah. one slide. <laughs> Just a fun, fun play on words, and Ethan ticket. Ethan's looking like he's a, fucking, yeah, like oh he's yeah, gonna freaking bring back together Israel and Palestine with us or something. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna harbor beats in the Middle East with the what was that records. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what David was going for as well. Yeah, um, so the album was re- ties to some real serious things. <laughs> so the album was recorded quickly in just a couple weeks. And then soon after, the DLR band was released on June 9th, 1998. That's what he decided to call this album. It was another commercial failure charting at 172 <laughs> and it only sold 50,000 copies. Very bad. David was barely phased by this it just kept doing what he was doing basically climbing and hiking and then making appearances what he wanted to he was a favorite on the howard stern show and also on jay leno and he would show up from time to time simply to shoot the shit with the guys i found it really funny that you said that because howard stern loves sammy hagar too yeah i mean it makes sense yeah uh, Mm. david would go on there and and then howard would be like van halen sucks without david lee roth it's so bad (laughs) Like, come on, Howard Stern, get out of here with your. Hmm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that statement. Why you but... go throw another hot dog at a naked lady, man? Yeah, you freaking weirdo. Uh, so weirdo. <laughs> weirdo. Uh, so he tried to put together a tour for the album, weirdo. but scrapped it. <laughs> but scrapped it when the album fell flat, uh, choosing instead to open up a internet television channel, which he called Dave TV. Uh, hey everyone, it's me, David. Uh, I'm really glad you're all here on the internet. Uh, now that you're all here, let's go rollerblading. This was in 1998. Like yeah. the internet was dial up at best. You had to pay for <laughs> minutes on the internet, and he's trying to start his own internet show. I mean, technically, technically, he was exactly right, but he was 20 <laughs> years too early. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah, which didn't. we see that a couple times. Yeah, he hadn't finished his computer science degree yet. <laughs> yeah, he needed two more years for that. Um, yeah, so this this show was just him talking about like his career, both with Van Halen and post Van Halen, as well as basically anything else he could find. Uh, it only lasted five episodes, like I said, with the internet being so new. Um, and then he basically just folded it in. I think he also had like a, a talk show 
on the internet, like an internet talk show, uh, but that also did not do very well. So after this, he and the band tried again to make amends in 2000, the band being Van Halen, even claiming that they were going to record a few more songs together, but nothing came of it. So instead, in 2002, he and Sammy Hagar went together, tour, went on tour together for some months in what they do, what they dubbed the Sands Halen tour. God. It was a profitable excursion, but they both realized during this that they were not meant to be on the same stage. He sued Van Halen in 2002 uh, because he said that they owed him unpaid royalties after they apparently renegotiated their contracts with Warner and he got less money written into it. Uh, um, I'm not, a, but nothing, it seemed like it kind of settled out of court or nothing um, came to this. And then after this, he went back into the studio to work on his next album. He chose to do covers for this album, keeping it simple and carefree. I'm guessing what happened was that he decided he needed some more money. And so this was a <laughs> quick cash grab, no. much like Diver Down, but much worse. So when the album Diamond Dave, which was also what he was calling himself now, was released <laughs> on July 8th, 2003, it was met with not terrible critical review but it did absolutely nothing commercially it didn't chart and to date has only sold around 30,000 copies Man. it was now clear that david could not do it on his own like he believed he could for uh, such a long time <laughs> i'd like to be able to blame it on his terrible nickname that he gave himself but his vocal isolations on youtube tell a different tale <laughs> yeah those are i don't have we even talked about those yet austin uh no i think i think ethan briefly mentioned them in the first episode but no they are they are fun you but I, I, all we can say about it is you can find them you can nope, find just his isolated vocal tracks and <sighs> we don't have to say much more about it you i'm sure you can just understand how the hilarity in, it ensues he did. He was such a good member of Van Halen. Well, that's what we'll say. <laughs> he was a great uh, member. <laughs> so I, again, yeah. wouldn't be what it was without him. Bingo. Clearly, take a uh, listen so, though. <laughs> so, <laughs> please. After after Diamond Dave didn't do anything, he laid low once again until 2004 when he showed up out of the blue as an emergency medical technician. He rode around in the back of an ambulance and he actually got fully certified to help out on the streets of New York. I think at one point he actually went to Texas to like an a, 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 like a army base to get certified and do things there. Like he did everything by the books and by the end he was 100% certified and able to be a paramedic. Um, and so he drove around wow. like in the back of in the back of ambulances and and he helped out people um, when he could. He I, I think he wanted if, uh... to follow I wonder if him and John Kelly ever crossed paths from typo negative. Was he, he was the one that ended up becoming oh, an EMT, yeah, right? he was. Yeah. yeah. He was an EMT. Yeah. I don't think so, but I think that him and Steven Seagal worked together. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's cool too. That's actually you really know cool. Steven, you know when Steven Seagal did, uh, yeah, Steven Seagal oh. did his police show when he was Publicity a police officer stunts. for a while. That's fun, right? <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. But no, that's for a better well, duo. You're right. I, I I think that uh, Johnny Kelly was a was a he became a paramedic later. I think because this oh, yeah, was 2004. Was like, yeah. I think it was, it was like 2007 or something yeah. like that. It was and you're gonna find that. And you're gonna probably find out. got his training from a place with an actual budget instead of the army because they do everything on a budget. No, he. I mean, he, David Lee Roth like did all of his mm. hours. In the ambulance, like he did everything oh, on the good. on the fucking fly. Leroth was never in the army. What are you talking about? No, no he, he said that the training was done by the army. Uh, what? 
Tony said so. I, no, I said he went somewhere to like get certified. He, it's not like he joined the army to do this or whatever. Like, yeah, I, I, he just went to like a base to I think take the test or something. I don't know. Okay, it, it doesn't matter. He did all this training. He got certified. He was a paramedic uh, for a couple of years. And so, yeah, I think that he like, I think he was trying to follow his father's footsteps. I think that he was like trying to do right in the world. He didn't have to worry about money because he was still getting paid buco bucks from everywhere playing all of the Van Halen hits and stuff. So he was getting royalties for that. And so this was just his way to give back to the community. But it was also another thing he could check off his bucket list. Like he could now say he was a certified paramedic. Like, Mm -hmm. And and I think they just liked that he could wear that title as well because it's a cool thing that he could say that he did. So he did that for... Uh, about a year before he got his own radio show, his own morning radio show, where much like Dave TV, he talked about his time in Van Halen and then his band and then anything else that he could think of. This only lasted a few months before it was canceled in April 2006. And then David went dark again uh, after this, doing some TV appearances, like, you know, doing uh, doing doing how Dave does. And then this, this lasted until November 2006 when it was announced that Van Halen Van Halen was in fact practicing together once again and then on May 15th 2007 all of Van Halen excluding Michael Anthony who was asked not to rejoin or not asked to rejoin was replaced with Eddie's son Wolfgang Van Halen and their tour started at Madison Square Gardens um, and they would tour for a couple years together put out one more album and uh, that is where we're going to end this story and where we will pick it back up next week not exactly. When we get back into all up, Van Halen, you know, yeah, we're, we're actually going to go back in time, back to 1985, <laughs> and then we're going to roll it forward. So yeah. uh, when we recorded part three, we actually had no intention of, or I mean, I, I kind of had intention, but I, I, I super voiced it to the Phasing group out. that we Phasing were going to do. Out. Pushing this, pushing. <laughs> uh, no, no, um, that that uh, I was going to that we were going to do a part on David Lee Roth. That was kind of a last minute thing. We were going to either just do a short holiday thing, as Austin said, but we just wanted to, you know, build the story out as much as we could. And we, it's kind of fun that we can technically give you five parts on Van Halen over five weeks now. Uh, that's something we can never say we've done. Before. I'll get in the now Zoom meeting any fucking day of the week. Oh my God! Count me in. I've been thinking about Please. doing some seven a.m. Zoom meetings or five a.m. That could be. Yeah, we're, we're gonna have to make I it won't. five. I start work at seven, so we're gonna have to make it five. But I'm in. We're good. Yeah, we can. Tony. We can handle that. No problem. I'll do it. Oh my God! I get to bed at like two in the morning every freaking night. You'll be fine. <laughs> um, another thing that I didn't mention in part three that I'm gonna mention now is in 2018, I believe, maybe 2019. I could be wrong. David Lee Roth started a podcast uh, called, I think it's called the Roth Show, and um, it is exactly like the other things i've described it's just like his internet show just like his radio show and it is the most exhausting thing to listen to <laughs> you, uh, you put in some time i huh? think in the i listened to a whole episode oh, man. just him talking and he's like he's like I can't even think of a segment from it, but he he just will go off on random tangents. He'll be like, oh, the first thing that he says is like, you got to ask anyone who works any job a joke about their profession. Most people have a joke about their profession. You got to ask them. And, and, and then he tells a paramedic joke from when his time as a paramedic. And then he's just like, he just goes off on random tangents where he's like, oh, I don't really like Midwestern food. I think it's too heavy. Um, I, I really <laughs> like to stick to the lower calorie stuff that you get over in the over on the coast and but then but then 
it's just that for a while and then all at once it just cuts in and then it's just like you're listening to the roth show and then he he, he promotes a company called inked um and then he's like brought to you by inked Oh my Inked, God. brought to you by Inked. But then you later find out uh, that he owns Inked. No. Like he owns the company no. he's promoting on his own show. No and way. then he puts stingers in like every 10 minutes where he promotes his own show in his own show. And it is just the most, uh, It's a, like I said, it's exhausting what to listen twist. to. And it's just random ramblings of a man who just got set in front of a microphone for an hour. Oh my God, dude. So please go check out The Rock <laughs> Show if you want to just find something to be so upset about i just can't believe it. it didn't work as a morning radio talk show david in a, with a side of cream <laughs> <laughs> david room leave room for cream you just something like that yeah that yeah can no, work you out can really well work. but then you do have to listen to him talk so i guess the product right. is the problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just i don't know how, how his mind works i it's just it's it's you you try like you he starts to go down a road where you're like okay i could like get into this like he's like oh yeah during my time with van halen like i like to uh make sure that all the the windows were open or whatever on the tour bus i don't that's that's just a weird example <laughs> the thing that's about not windows true. is if you get the wrong kind of window it's hard to open that window but if you get a nice <laughs> window it'll slide real easy <laughs> Uh, yeah. And, but then he'll just, uh, but then he'll be talking and then all at once he'll just be like, yeah, I, I was, I was, uh, I was talking to this nice woman and, and, uh, we took her back to my hotel room and then all at once. And then, it, and then the next thing is like the raw show. And it's like, what? <laughs> what? They just Why is it happening? Like, you know what happens, David Lee Roth. <laughs> you yeah, know what happened. You guys yeah, this know. Is How so, hard. So <laughs> aggravating. Do you think editing is? <sighs> oh, nightmare. And, Oh, and then, and then, yeah, he is a producer that he talks to, but the producer is always so far away from the microphone because I don't think the producer's supposed to be talking. So he's just yelling to so, the other end of the room. And so, and so this is what it sounds like. David's like, hey, you want to hear a joke? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like so distant and you're like, why is this happening? Why is this an audio fucking format show that you're putting out? Oh my god. Whatever, go check out the Raw show if you want. <laughs> uh, if you don't want to, keep listening to our stuff. Um, and, you know, if you want to find us on social media, you know where to do that. We've honestly all been lacking pretty uh, hardcore on social yeah, media. And that's just fine it. because who needs it? Yeah. Turns out you don't have I care to need so it. little about <laughs> social media. Yep. God bless Anything. it. Get off of it. But uh, one thing you do care about is money so if you want to give us money give us uh go to patreon.com slash on and five everyone's getting them sweet stimulus checks so if you want to uh throw so throw some of that dough our way we're not technically a small business so we're not going to see a, a cent of the small business really. you can well, give it. us part of that three quarters of your rent one thing yeah, you if care you want about is money so give us yours if you uh want to give us six hundred dollar one time that would be just fine. Uh, if you don't, that's okay too, obviously, you know. Like we've always said, none of this will be ever be behind a paywall. Uh, but if you want to see us, you know, you can you can see us there. We also do some fun stuff. We try to do something for every series. It's not something bad. extra. Okay. Yeah, it's a decent, it's a decent way to spend an hour. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I think we're gonna leave it there. Go check out Oh god, I'm starting to burp. I got the burp some almost oh, through my PBR. It. That's it. This is the end. This is the end of it. Um Bye. Yeah, uh, go go listen to our other episodes, our other series. Most importantly though, 
have a very Merry Christmas or whatever holiday, whatever whatever you're choosing to Christmas. celebrate. They're trying to get rid of it. <laughs> Yo, Saturnalia. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't we know what Ethan said. I'm sure it was upsetting. I think it was something no, about Black Dahlia. I just said, yeah, Yo, Saturnalia. And Saturnalia, which is okay. what Christmas is based off of. It's fine. <laughs> okay. I'm bringing back Festivus. Mm-hmm. Festivus for the rest of us. I have a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> Get my pole, man. Get my freaking pole. Uh, all right. So, yeah, we'll leave it there. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll see you. Um, also, we didn't mention this, and we're not going to mention it in part three. We will be off after after part three comes out. We will be off for an episode. So, we are not going to, we might do a news episode depending on how we feel, but we are not going to start another series. But then the next week, we have a very fun series that we're starting. We're very, very excited for it. Very fun. So uh, stay tuned for that, and we will see you guys in the new year. Be safe out there. Be good. Love That's you. it. That's all right.